Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Barabal, and I'm joined tonight with... Chris Durham. Seth Dalbach. And we are back. We're going to talk tonight about... Uh, actually, it's kind of an interesting topic, I think. We were we were in a conversation about a specific movie and came across the, the kind of fact that sometimes a movie is not good, <laughs> and yet you still kind of find things to like about it, even when everyone else does not. And I'm not really talking about... We were trying to like think of how to define this, because I'm not talking about a cult movie exactly, like not a movie that you love because it's kind of... Like, Chris, you mentioned like the Leprechaun movies. Like yeah. Leprechaun movies are made for a very specific audience, but I feel like what they do, they do very directly and mm-hmm. like accurately. A movie that's silly, purposefully aimed at like an audience that they you normally wouldn't think exists, but like, hey, we, <laughs> we found one. Uh, like, not that kind of movie, and not even a like so bad it's good movie, or or so bad that so bad that it's just bad, and I'm laughing at it. Like, not like a Troll Two or The Room, where you're sort of just in awe of mm-hmm. the sheer cosmic failing of, of the movie, but more like a movie that is trying really hard that just ends up being, I couldn't think of a better word than, or phrase than like hot mess. Like a movie that's just like all over the map, but you could see the people were legitimately trying to make a movie. They had some ideas and like, for whatever reason, some of that still works for you, even though you can basically categorically say, this is not a good movie. And I, right. I realize that's very specific, but I feel like we all have those movies. Movies I've seen dozens of times that I'll continue to watch. And I, I have to admit that I don't even just like them because of nostalgia, but there's just something about them. I think it's like, some you know, watching someone do something mundane, like watching someone like jump their bike. It's like, oh, okay, you did that really well. Amazing. I've seen that a million times. Someone trying to jump their bike over a sh- like, lake full of sharks and mm-hmm. failing, that's a little more spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> just watching somebody, you know, jump their bike. So, like, trying, aiming for the moon and failing sometimes can be pretty entertaining, I feel mm-hmm. like. And I'm not even just talking about schlock, even though I think a lot of what we'll probably talk about is schlock. <laughs> totally. But, like, even movies that, like, movies that really were trying for something and just kind of missed the mark. So, I, I realize it's kind of a very broad sort of category, but that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. And... um Actually, Seth, do you want to maybe start us out? Because we were kind of talking about it. I think we're all kind of on the same page. Uh, a movie that maybe, you know, you go to Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a low percentage, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, the basic theory on this movie is it's just not good. You know, that the uh, yeah. the common consensus is this movie's crap. But for whatever reason, <laughs> you still got something out of it. Yeah, well, uh, I guess we'll start off with one that we we've had a conversation off air about, but I think it's probably the best place to start this at is the uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my god, <laughs> that's <laughs> such a mess, dude. We we have to we have to preface this by saying this is not a good movie. Like we'll probably say this about a lot of because this is not a good movie, but there is something about this movie that. I've seen it multiple times. Um, I can remember it very well, unfortunately, fortunately for this podcast as well, too. I think there's something there that, I mean, how do you take a property like Super Mario Brothers and make a movie out of it in the first place and make it a good movie? I don't really think that's possible. Maybe a cartoon movie. <laughs> Maybe. Well, and when you but think... even that cartoon wasn't that good. 
Yeah. No, the cartoon. Well, they, yeah, because the only competition they had to that point was the like live action slash cartoon show where basically uh, Captain Lou Albano <laughs> and some seventy yeah. year old grandfather played like Mario and Luigi. That show... it looked like a like a like a, a low cable network <laughs> like ripoff of Mario Brothers. It it kind of looked like a yeah cable access almost like Mario Brothers. It was not. <laughs> It was not good. <laughs> but the movie... So, if you were to look at Mario Brothers, that's a good... So, this movie came out in 93, and it was, like, May of 93. So, it was like, oh, here's a big CGI movie involving dinosaurs, except a month later was Jurassic Park, and I forgot completely <laughs> yeah. about Mario Brothers. But if you were to talk about what... Chris, if someone said, I'm making a Mario Brothers movie, you would assume the movie would be about what? Uh, guys going into, like, pipes, like, plumbing, and, and, and landing in a magical world where there's, like, mushroom people and stuff, and doing battle to save princesses. Right, with, with like, turtles or something. Because yeah. you're like, how are you going to make a movie where the guys fight turtles? So, the thing about the Mario Brothers movie is right from, like, the trailers, you realize that they just went nuts. Like, yeah. the, like they, made, they went against the grain of, like, let's make a movie. Because I feel like you say, Chris, an animated film would have probably worked. They even get some mm-hmm. Japanese animators... It would have worked. I feel like this is the real, the the true example. Although the movie talks about it is true of that, like Key and Peele sketch of Gremlins Two. Yeah, where they're yeah, like exactly. talking about, you know, like yeah. they get into a meeting, and, and I'm putting that sketch on Facebook of like to preempt <laughs> yeah. this podcast because I think it's perfect. Have you like seen that it? is the total definition of what happened yes. here. I think. Yeah. What do like... kids love? What do kids love? They love fungus. Yeah, but drippy, drippy fungus. It's like they sit down and they just take the whole. Did you concept. say an electricity gremlin? Yes. <laughs> they take what they take the basic concept Marbos and they just shove it into the floor and they're like, no. But this is what I appreciate about the movie. The very opening of the movie is like this crappy, like eight bit video game graphics of the dinosaurs, like before the meteorite, before the meteorite, and like, why are dinosaurs in this movie? And it, it's like. They talk about the extinction of the dinosaurs, but they're like, but what if they were actually blasted to another alternate dimension? And then what if they came back? And then, like, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers, like, literally, like, those are, like, that's not even me mocking the movie. That's, like, the line from the film. Mm. And, like, the yeah. word Super Mario Brothers, like, smash onto the screen. <laughs> and so now you've got a story that's not about any of that. It's about an alternate world where dinosaurs grew along the same evolutionary lines as humans and have their own, like, underground, like, low rent blade runner set that they all run around <laughs> on with like super hyper boots and listen to like said not says walk like the dinosaur <laughs> and, yes. and like bob hoskins and like yeah no let's 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 stop a minute to talk about this cast here we have bob hoskins as mario we have john leguizamo as luigi the right. brother to mario and then you know what else this is this would be like the guys in the boardroom they'd be like you know what kids love kids love dennis hopper yeah. <laughs> we'll have him play the same character from blue velvet except he will literally just aquanet his hair into three <laughs> spikes and he'll be king koopa no extra special <laughs> effects needed oh he'll be a God. he'll be an evil ceo <laughs> but then like fisher stevens is in this movie too like yeah. is like some low-rent goon and uh i think fiona shaw like she's a lizard queen but the thing i think you know this was 93 so it's probably some samantha mathis action going on there that like was probably 90% of the reason I remember watching this movie she was <laughs> Princess Toadstool I think yes. but yes. when they get to this world's alternate dinosaurs and they have the de-evolution gun which is turn the previous yeah! king turn the previous king into fungus 
I remember that. It's like, my mind was kind of blown. Like, I like this movie. <laughs> I, I think I ended up like just out of sheer curiosity buying it from like the five dollar bin at Walmart. Unfortunately, I told you to, and I, I was like, "Chris, it. this is fun," and you were like, "I don't know what you see." I was in like, this. "That is the worst pile of crap." I feel like I really should talking about it now, like rewatch it. I think I might enjoy it more. Like you might not. <laughs> I mean, there's perhaps there was some element of me in like back then that was going, you know, maybe this is kind of like Mario Brothers. And <laughs> now knowing it's completely the opposite of Mario, really. Well, I think the thing that I appreciate about the movie, and I think this is maybe a good way to kind of to consolidate what I personally think of when I think of these movies are like, okay, this is a hot mess. I'm seeing something I haven't really seen before. Like, in, in some ways, Super yeah. Mario Bros. is just a pastiche of all these other things that you've seen before. But I've never seen it quite done like this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, who thought about, like, making this about dinosaurs in an alternate dimension? Like, why is this a plot? Like, it's so heavily, they, like, take it all the way through the movie, and it's just so silly. And, like, Bob Hoskins, like, <laughs> cast as Mario, and that the fact that he actually took that job... <laughs> Money will well, make it's a, strange it's, things. It's one of those movies. It's just so weird, and like I, I love the fact that they like they go so completely like far away from like what the story of Mario was, but they still like put in like the little elements like the bombs, and don't don't they have like a de-evolution gun that was like that power gun for the Nintendo <laughs> that they're using in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, and at one point they have like a Yoshi, which is like an actually they tried to make a yeah, legitimately just... like realistic looking dinosaur, and it's like yes. what is that? And it's just like sitting there. I think it gets stabbed in the neck or something at one point. He, he wandered off the set of Carnosaur Three. Mm. Kind of yeah. Well, there was only one carnosaur at that point that's another wrong-headed movie but like this the thing with it is it's not like it's not even like a it's like an accident if it's any i don't think it's a cult classic i don't think anybody i have an uncle who loves it but he loves it for that same kind of reason i do where it's just like so absurdly bizarre he believes 100 percent in his soul that they were making a knowing comedy and i just don't believe that like (laughs) i feel like they were trying to make a kids action adventure movie i think they were probably trying to follow the hook template honestly like, which yeah. to yeah. me was kind of like wrong-headed, but you figured Hook was only a year or so earlier. And they're looking at Hook and thinking, Spielberg got away with it, and he had Bob Hoskins. Let's just do that. <laughs> um, because it has that same kind of clunky kind of feel. Like, mm-hmm. like let's do something really out. I, I honestly probably think they probably tried to get, like, Robin Williams, and he was like, no, I'm going to go make this great movie called Toys, which will probably show up later in this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's that's a good one, actually. <laughs> but Super Mario Brothers. So, Chris, you're like, no, don't watch this crap, right? Which well, like is fine. I said, no, I think, like, uh, having talked about it, I don't know. I might actually give this a shot again. This is gonna, this is horrible. Like, this, people they're... are going to be listening to this. Like, you're going to revved up for something that's just not. Oh, that's all right. Here. I've got one that's going to, like. But you can get this. Away. You can probably get this from the bottom, literally. I mean, when I say the bottom, it's like mashed down <laughs> under a box of, like, Whoppers and, like, three copies of, like, Cool Runnings at the bottom of, like, the Walmart DVD bin. Like, uh, don't forget the three copies of Joe Dirt. Yes, exactly, right. Hopefully no one will mention Joe Dirt on this podcast. <laughs> Sad. Well, I was just going to bring it up. <laughs> so, Mario Brothers. That was, nine, like, summer of 93. And I feel like you could probably stay there, because I could definitely think of a lot of movies. The 90s was full of this kind of stuff, where you yeah. have an idea and you'd shoot it out. But Super Mario Brothers, good... Good call, Seth. I actually do agree with you. A warning to anyone who does rent it is we are not saying this is good. I'm just saying it's <laughs> fascinating. It's not even fascinating and like, again, wow, this is amazing. It's just amazing that it just exists, that all these people yeah. got together and made this movie and that I kind of am enjoying it. 
That's Chris, fair. actually, you're next in line. Seth was the one who picked Mario oh, Brothers. Oh, okay. So this movie is something that, like, I tried to stick to science fiction, fantasy, horror, I guess we should say that. So in the horror movie vein, this is probably not as wild and as crazy as the movie that was just mentioned, like Mario Brothers, which is just a completely out there thing. But this is a movie I'm really not even quite sure why I like it. But uh, there are a couple of movies starring Jeff Goldblum on this list for me. Mm. <laughs> and one of these is the movie Hideaway. Have you guys seen oh, Hideaway? Yeah. 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 So it came out in like the mid-90s. It was based off of a Dean Koontz book. It <laughs> probably, to be fair, was based off the best Dean Koontz book. <laughs> yeah. But um, has anyone, have you guys read the book or no. are familiar with it? No, I haven't read it, no. Okay. Yeah, well, everyone's better off. So <laughs> it's this like thriller. This is probably Goldblum coming not that far off of Jurassic Park, really, like... It's somewhere in between Jurassic Park and Independence Day. Before you yeah, this is 95, of... I think it was, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it comes out in like 95, like in the spring of 95 or something. And have you guys, you've both seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... well, I've seen it once. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, same here. I think the director is Brett Leonard, who uh, his other movies were like Virtuosity and like Man The thing. Lawnmower Man. <laughs> yeah, the Lawnmower Man. There you go. He loved like crappy CGI. He really does. Mm. Uh this movie's got a weird cast, too, because it's <laughs> Kathleen Quinlan and, like, Jeff Goldblum's a star. More movies should star Jeff Goldblum. Legitimately yeah, star yeah. Jeff Goldblum. And particularly in this phase, he has a weird presence in a movie that, like, it's just... Fascinating. Even before yeah. he started making it a shtick, because I feel like Independence Day is when we started to get the... Go- people realized that the Goldblum uh-huh. shtick was money. It's like, gold. Right. When you could still put him in a movie and he was still trying to play the character he was hired to play instead of playing Jeff Goldblum. But he would still take those weird hand effications where he would just stick his hand out and put it at the screen as if he was touching an invisible wall. No, caress, <laughs> caressing an invisible wall. He would do that so many times in Highway. Wait, he's he's back from the dead? And he's like petting an invisible cat like right next to the, to the screen. But Alfred Molina is in this movie. It's like he, he, he resuscitates Goldblum back from the dead. Goldblum's in an accident. Yeah. He goes to the other side in this really trippy, low rent, looks like Japanese 2001 or something, where like Goldblum dies and his head becomes a weird little CGI Goldblum sprite, which is like blue and has his face in the middle of it. And it like shoots through heaven and hell, which is all kind. It looks like 3D Space Invaders or something. It's really, it's really weird and not good. But then he comes back and he has visions of a killer who I think is played by Jeremy Sisto. He's yeah, on a run yeah, before right. he plays Jesus in like a miniseries or something. He's he's playing a kind of demonic character. Alicia Silverstone is Goldblum's daughter. Um, and it's supposed to be this kind of cat-mouse thriller where Goldblum is getting the psychic visions of what Sisto is doing. And But they kind of have already ruined the fact that like heaven and hell are involved. That should be the mystery of the story is why is this killer doing what he's doing. Um, it's a weird movie because it feels pretty low rent. But it, it just it ratchets up the crazy at strange points, I feel like. And yeah. you've got it, – it does feel almost sometimes like a TV movie. But you get these moments where suddenly they're just bust out with these special effect sequences of, like, good versus evil. And, again, not a good movie, but it's pretty – I feel like it's pretty interesting. And I don't – I think Goldblum is mostly the reason – but it's a kind of compelling idea. Like, the scenes where he is envisioning uh, Sisto sort of stalking and killing people. There's a crazy opening scene. But it, it kind of just goes forward with that idea that all goth people worship the devil. Like, <laughs> I mean, it has very simple or simplistic, like, uh, views of that kind of thing. So do you remember this at all, Seth? Like, whether you liked it, didn't like it? 
I literally have like zero recollection. I know. Of it. You guys are both like I can tell the silence of Cecil and Chris is like <laughs> cockeyed looking at me like I'm pretty sure I saw this movie. No, I did. I, I remember it. I remember so... the trailer to it. That's about <laughs> all I can remember from it. It had a lot of bad like rock music. Yes, it did. This was around the time of like that movie Brain Scan with Edward Furlong. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that's just plain bad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Hideaway it, it 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 definitely has dated itself. It feels very nineties. Mm-hmm. I I think particularly if you're a Goldblum fan and you haven't seen this movie, you could check it out and you might get some entertainment value out of it. It's definitely it was trying to be big and crazy. It was trying to kind of like go for broke. It was like okay, how can we amp up? Uh, this was a time when Lifetime was starting to make some of those movies. So like, mm-hmm. how can we yeah. distinguish ourselves from being Lifetime? Let's have some CGI hell in heaven. Fights. All right. Because <laughs> this was around the time of like prophecy with uh, mm. with um, yeah. Christopher Walken and like yeah. Lord of Illusions. Um, both of those are probably better movies than Hideaway, <laughs> but Hideaway is probably more fun. I don't know. So that's mine, Chris. All right, this one I really have no. I mean, speaking about CGI heaven and hell and all that stuff. Uh, I really have no justification for this. You might as well take away my like love of movies, like stripes as a fan. No, no, you, but th- this is a neutral zone for that in this episode. <laughs> I'm gonna go with one. Uh, I'm just gonna say it. Spawn. Let's go with that. All right. So <laughs> I'm gonna talk about yeah the the PG-13 mess of a film. Like, I take really back saying mess. that like, Hideaway's Hell and Heaven were the worst I've ever seen on. This has, <laughs> I think, the worst depiction of hell I've ever seen. The highly pixelated one, like. Really, really bad. There's just certain level of this, and I think, and I've I've never said this before about a movie. John Leguizamo kind of makes the movie. Like, he does. This is the second time, the second time, and we've only mentioned three movies that Leguizamo has showed up on this list. Wait, wait until someone mentions the past. Well, okay, so you got your, you yeah. got your typical like. Okay, if anybody's read the comic books, you know what it is. If you haven't, then uh, I'm not sure I should say watch this movie. But it's about a guy dies in the military. Hells thinks they can use him as some kind of lieutenant in a war against God. A really like convoluted plot. So they bring him back to life with like this uh, suit that's like kind of like the suit from Spider Man, like the symbiote suit or whatever that Venom uses. Um, but it kind of like lets him do whatever he wants. So he's come back as a demon, like a demon soldier essentially. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to help you, Hell. I'm going to like be a good guy and fight for justice. But the thing that makes this movie crazy, like, the premise already is nuts, but, like, John Leguizamo comes in, and you can't even tell it's him. He's in this, like, creepy, fat clown suit. Like, Not only that, he's, constantly, like, three feet tall. Yes, he's, like, a midget like, clown, yeah. like, fat midget clown that turns into a horrible demon creature. Yeah. And, but, like, he's constantly spewing, like, weird, creepy, gross things. Like He's, he's like John Wayne snarky. Gacy versus, I mean, meets, like, Jabba the Hutt or something. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. But I think the part, like, I forget where in this movie this happens, because this movie is just a mess, but, like, at a certain point he, like, has, like, a cheerleader costume on, he's like, oh, go sporty! It's the he weirdest has, thing yeah, I've ever he seen. he has pom-poms, and he's, like, dancing in a school gymnasium somewhere. Yeah. That's right before the, like, worst CGI devil I've ever seen. Yeah. It looks, someone described it once as the a donkey. The ventriloquist devil? Yeah, it looks like a donkey with crabgrass on its head or something like that's, that. It's like, that's perfect! Oh my I gosh! Can't, I, I can't remember who said that that might have been a Roger Ebert quote, who, by the way, gave this movie three and a half like out of four this. stars, Chris. How? So you are not alone. How, how is that possible? Because Ebert liked his crap. It I mean, was stupid, I, but it was, I can honestly say I have a little soft spot in my heart for it. It's we fun. don't know what he thought of Mario Brothers, but he was three stars on Hideaway, too. So he liked his crappy-looking hell. 
Eagles. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can go too deep on this one, but that's what I have for you. That anyway. had a great line. I remember there's a line when uh, they're in the cemetery and they come across a bunch of like eyes trying to sacrifice somebody. Yes. And I think he says something along the lines, why does God get all the good followers and we get the retards? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> And he, he has a couple good lines. He's like, oh, just think of, you're Jimmy Stewart and I'm Clarence. I'm like, you really think Spawn's audience is <laughs> yeah. like remotely aware of what you just said? Uh, I remember reading an interview where I think Leg was almost trying to say that, like, just to get into character, he ate, like, real worms or whatever. And I I'm like, it. why would you bother for Spawn? <laughs> like, the kind of movies is, Martin Sheen is also, we want to talk yeah, about Martin Sheen's, kind, in Martin Sheen's in it. Uh, but Leg was almost actually kind of, like, entertaining as a clown. I, if you're I taking you. the clown as what it is, like, as a creature in the comic book universe, he actually does a pretty good job of fleshing it out. And the I problem like. is, they hire someone like Michael Jai White, who's probably more physical like you know yeah. he's oh, got yeah. some martial arts skills and he had Big time. but he can't really get any charm going with this like all this like burned up makeup that he has like yeah. doesn't yeah. like was i'm gonna call him crispy for like half the movie yeah. or something. <laughs> he does don't forget that Leguizamo also turns into this giant like stringy monster like the, the violator yeah. Yeah. what did you think of this seth you know that was one of those movies like i really liked the comic when i was a kid so like i was predestined to kind of like the movie too and i i agree with chris like you know it's it's, look it's not a great movie it's probably it's not even a good movie but it's got some parts to it honestly like some of the practical effects in it are really good like the cgi does not hold up whatsoever at all but the the costumes look great like the violator itself looks awesome um There's some cool stuff here and there. It's I like when he's like on his motorcycle like and his like his cape, his cape sort of forms a yeah. shell. That was neat. yeah. I just remember there's one like thing that I remember distinctly. Like, they had like an amulet of some sort, and it was glowing green, and it was supposed to be like a full sphere of like this green energy coming out, and you could see it like stopped sharply at one edge. Like like a there were a couple line. movies around this time when they were like very. Um, I was surprised at how. Uh, careless they were with like and like you didn't even let that thing fully render like Mortal Kombat Annihilation <laughs> that was when we were oh, like yeah. wow you did, I can literally see the chunks in this, <laughs> these, these graphics but I, Spawn's a good case I think of like they went for broke they went way they beyond did. they they looked like they were broke trying to make the movie but Nicole Williamson who plays who's probably well known for playing like uh, a crazy version of Merlin in Excalibur which Except for the fact I think it's kind of a good movie. could almost go on this list. Uh, in this one, he's like Cogliostro. He's like the guy who like mm-hmm. trains him. And like, where did you get all these people again to agree to kind of be in this film? But like, at the end of the movie, they're floating through a just this strange amorphous hell. Bouncing off of like asteroids. Like it's a video game. Fighting the Violator. And you're like, they really had a cool idea here. But they had no Crapped clue about up, how man. to execute it at all. Yeah. One final thought I have about this is I got really embarrassed because I ended up buying this thing like a Target one time, and I had that and a couple other DVDs, and I was going up to like the counter, and the Spawn was on top, and some girl I knew from somewhere was like saw me in lunch. She came over to talk to me. She's like, "What are you buying?" Oh, Spawn. You're you're a funny guy, Chris. Like I felt really. You know, <laughs> yeah, let me just go with it. Yeah, I'm pretty ironic. I like to watch movies and not watch. <laughs> so Seth, how about you? We'll just kind of keep going along until we've exhausted so, our brain cells. Next up, um, this this is actually like a very hard topic for me to come up with because there's a lot of like bad movies that I like. So it's hard to like think of one. Um, this one, though, came to mind uh, earlier today when I was thinking about this list. Um, this was a movie, a science fiction movie from the late 90s. 
uh, called Existence by David Cronenberg. I don't have either of you guys seen this movie. I have seen this movie. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it because we've talked about it a lot, Nathan. But I have not seen it. It's. I mean, like, I, I, I this one I don't think is a bad movie, but it's not. It's not executed that great. This. I think the problem with this movie is that it came out like at the same time that the Matrix did, and I honestly think some of the ideas that are in Existence work better for me than some of the ideas in the matrix i think the matrix is trying to be more like heady like oh we hit we had an introduction to philosophy class whereas existence is actually looking it's kind of looking towards the future in a way that like cronenberg does it's this is a movie that i don't really think i can even go into description of what this film is about it's just kind of like a to give it a quick overview i guess it's like uh somebody this game creator jennifer jason lee creates this kind of like organic game system that you can plug into this port that they like put into your body. A bio it, like, port that looks basically like a sphincter in your back. <laughs> yeah. It's got like some weird like umbilical cord. It's so like Cronenberg. Um, but then like once you, once you enter the game, it's where the, you don't know like what's real, what's not real. And the movie like the whole time, it's just kind of like a really big mind trip. Uh, I still don't really know how much of it I, I understand. Um, but I, I think there's a, there's some really cool imagery in here. There's some good acting in it. Um, Willem Dafoe makes a really cool cameo in it. As a character um, named Gas. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's just the name of like what's on his – He's a, he works at a gas station. His name is Gas. Perfect. I, I just think it was, it was one of those movies that I think was way too weird for general audiences to uh, kind of get behind – Whereas something like The Matrix is a little bit more uh, accessible, even though that was kind of strange in its own way at the time. Um, but I definitely think it's one of those ones, especially if you are a Cronenberg fan and you haven't seen it before. It's definitely one that I would recommend to just check it out because for anything, it's going to be a weird like hour and a half experience of your life. Almost in some ways for Cronenberg, not weird enough. Like, but I see, I can see why it kind of falls in the hot mess category because it. If you take away, like, a lot of it feels like rehashed Cronenberg from, like, Videodrome and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There is, there's a sense, though, that Cronenberg has no idea what a video game is like. Like, he's trying to make a a, a movie about virtual reality and gaming and how these ideas of these worlds pull us in. And he seems to have no friggin' clue about what draws people to play a video game. Because Existence is, like, in some ways the most boring video game you've ever conceived like it's sort of like uh they had that like around this time they had like the the nickelodeon movie doug and they put on the virtual reality goggles and it was just like everything looked like their real real world except in their house they had better furniture (laughs) it's like oh he's slightly richer uh but there's a weird scene though where they go like to a chinese restaurant in the middle of the woods and it's which also happens to be an amphibian harvesting farm where they harvest the pods so like uh, Jude Law like is eating his amphibian and it's really bony and crunchy and he assembles a gun out of it that fires a holster of human teeth. Of teeth, so it's like yeah. Stuff like that. But again, with Cronenberg, most people have already seen Crash and Videodrome and it's just like it it's kind of feels like recycled Cronenberg a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. It's totally like it's totally a '90s movie too. Like it it, it has like the stink of the '90s all over it. It does, and again, it's one of those things where they're making. I think a lot of the movies we've mentioned have that one element of they feel very artificial, but that's kind of like built into their DNA. Like we haven't really yeah. mentioned a lot of movies that are all that realistic. Hideaway, honestly, is probably the most <laughs> realistic film of the ones we mentioned. But they're people trying to show you something, another world, in an in yeah. sense, um, which kind of brings me to. One of my movies that probably, I mean, I can see there's probably a number of people 
who, if they've seen the movie, probably could make a case that this is a good movie or a good adaptation of the source material. I like it. I just find it very weird, and I'm not completely certain it works. And they've made a lot of hot mess versions of this story, but uh, this is the Company of Wolves from like oh, yeah, I remember that. Neil yeah. Jordan, who's probably made a lot of hot mess. I could have probably put In Dreams or The Butcher Boy on this list too, but like Neil Jordan doesn't really make movies that I like very much. Like, honestly, like, he's done Interview with a Vampire, which actually I didn't care for much at all. But, like, this movie, Company of Wolves, is based off of, it, it's based off Angela Carter in, like, 70s, 80s, did a series of sort of, like, deconstructionist sort of feminist takes on fairy tales. But they were horror yeah. So, it's really, like, the horror version of Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Up until they did that movie, like, Red Riding Hood or <laughs> Red whatever. Riding. So, that's probably more the hot mess that you really yeah. want to get down to it. The problem is I can't find anything good, really, to say about that movie. Gary Oldman was roasting people in the belly of a brass <laughs> elephant or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever see that one? That was, uh, well, they did that, too, in, um, except it was a They've done it more than once? They did that in that Tarsum Singh movie. Oh, Immortals. Um, Immortals, yeah. 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 Uh, wow. <laughs> They did so apparently. I totally forgot about that movie. Roasted That's, people that is a hot mess movie too. That, ever a yeah. lot of Tar Seams movies kind of fall. Except the only one I truly like is The Fall. But that, yeah, that's, that's, that's actually good. I feel like yeah, a great film. Good. So it's yeah. not doesn't quite fit on this list. But like The Company of Wolves has that beautiful kind of mind boggling imagery. Put all this money into creating this kind of gothic fairy tale forest, and it almost looks like it could have been like a really well produced Disney movie. Except it's really like yeah. kind of messed up, like mm-hmm. because yeah. there's a lot of weird sexual overtones. Yes, there's. The other thing that I find weird and probably contributes to the hot mess feeling in my head is all of the wolves in this movie, except for one, are played by German shepherds. So it's <laughs> yeah, really strange. It's like really You see wolves right, yeah. and they're all dogs. Until at the end when she finally finds the one who's the mysterious woodsman that she likes who also turns out to be the werewolf. It's kind of like, well, most men are dogs until you find your alpha male wolf. And you're like, he's the one like actual wolf in the movie. You'll just see a bunch of dogs running around. They're like, the wolves are coming! Like, no, no. You're it, it has a... It has a like cover art that you scare the hell out of me when I was a kid, like going through the movie movie store. One of the first times I went to the movies to go see baby secret of the lost legend. There was the poster (laughs) art for company of wolves right on the, on the wall there. But yeah, cause the snout's coming out of the human mouth, which is an interesting, they have that, some of that transformation work in the film. It's not as good as like American werewolf or things like that, but there's, there's really weird stuff in this movie. At one point, Angela Lansbury's in it too. We should mention as the kindly (laughs) grandmother. And she's like the character that would be in the Disney version. Right. But she, um, she tells like red some pretty crazy stuff. And like, she's always telling her, watch out for, uh, you know, all men are wolves and stuff like that. She's in there and she's got a weird presence. Her, exit scene in the movie is completely ridiculous uh, <laughs> but there's weird scenes of like this little girl it's it's all kind of has that German expressionist feel at one point the yeah. little girl cr- climbs and looks into a nest and there's like these two eggs and they hatch out like baby statues or something I mean it's just there's a, <laughs> it's a weird ter- movie Terrence Stamp is playing the devil in this film and he's driving around in like a Lincoln town car or something through like the <laughs> medieval forest yeah. I just don't the whole thing is bizarre, but it's not really a good movie. Like, you're sitting there watching it, and even as a deconstruction of the Little Red Riding Hood myth, you can see where they're pulling from Carter's stuff, but it's always fascinating to look at and to watch, and I can kind of yeah. keep going back to it. It's not at the level... I, I feel like Terry Gilliam movies, a lot of those come together, unless you're like the Brothers Grimm, which is very similar in some ways to <laughs> this movie, but yeah. it's got a lot of stuff going on. It's, it's definitely interesting to watch. It has a lot of British actors and faces and stuff in it so uh that's me company of wolves i was gonna actually gonna go with um uh, i'm gonna try and knock out the superhero stuff early 
Um, but I have another sort of series. That Blank is Man? Near, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, near and <laughs> dear like to Blank my Man. heart. They have made three movies, and each of those movies is a hot mess. Like they're, there's things about that I like all of them that like very much, but then the rest of the movie is just crazy, and I can't explain why anyone should watch any of these. But I'm going to talk about the Punisher movies. So you Wait, have your all, you like all three? Yes, I'm not. I'm not even going to lie. I even like the last one, Warzone. Talk about the Dolph Lundgren movie. Okay, so Dolph Lundgren, I think that's probably the best out of all of them. The pure cheese factor. It is like a slice of a comic book from right about that time. Like, it's just Dolph Lundgren. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He doesn't talk much. Except for Lou Gossett Jr. Except for Lou Gossett Jr., who's actually out to get him. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. He isn't his friend, is he? But no, he's a cop trying to hunt him down. But, like, it's a fairly straightforward Punisher tale. Like, he goes out and he... Tries to take out the Yakuza, which is a, was a tale like, um, I think it was called the uh, League of Assassins or something. There was an actual storyline where, like, this, Chinese, this he'd go to the Chinese place and they would have Yakuza guys come out and do your assassinations for you. Anyway, um, so, yeah, he, he eventually he, uh, ends up teaming up with mobsters to save their children from the Yakuza, weirdly enough. Um, so it's, it's cheesy, it's fun, but it also really actually captures the heart of the story pretty well. Uh, I think it kind of captures Frank at the time in the in the comics, like he's just kind of like a psychopath, doesn't really talk to anybody, doesn't have any friends. I'm staring at you like this because now I'm thinking about Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say this has uh, two scenes in it that I really wish they could have cut out of the movie because there's no reason. It's just Dolph Lundgren. He's like staring at a fire, completely nude, and you see his like butt on the screen <laughs> like twice. He's like in the sewers, and there's a fire going. He's like. I sit down here and I talk to God and I ask him questions and stuff and like you're staring. And God says, "Put on your pants." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they called him the Punisher. The ah! <laughs> well played. So that's like a weird cheesy movie I kind of love. But then you get the Thomas Jane one. The Thomas Jane one in the early two thousands. Um, the scrawniest Punisher of them all. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I liked what Thomas Jane did with it. This is truly a hot mess because. You've got great stuff. Like, there's some really good um, stuff with Thomas Chan. I think he t- takes. He tries a to play different... him like a psychologically real character, which is a weird yes, choice like, for the Punisher. They actually like tried to develop the Punisher as a character, really, which is you've not really seen before. So I kind of like that. But then you have like Water Buffalo, like uh, uh, what's his face in the movie? John Travolta. Uh, John Travolta, the Water <laughs> Buffalo, and he's like ruining everything he touches. And, like, yeah, there's some weird choices in it, and there's some great stuff, like, the they have this giant Russian come in and basically destroy this uh, apartment complex. That, that the is weird, because you feel like you're watching Double Dragon at some point, because they have all yes. these different assassins <laughs> come after him, and the Russian just, like, runs right through the walls. Yeah. Uh, isn't there, like, a, a singing, like, almost Johnny Cash-esque, like, villain yes. that comes to kill uh, him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they had some cool, like, assassins. The, the Johnny Cash guy was great. Uh, they called him Harry Heck, I think, in the movie. He had, like, written on his knuckles but or something. they try to develop the characters in, like, the, yeah. the apartment complex. It's like they're trying yeah, to make they, a real movie out of it. They actually give him some people to interact with in the movie. And, like, bound, that was kind of a fun element to it. So there's stuff I liked about that. And I can inexplicably say, yes, I kind of like this movie. Uh, this one, though, might be the worst one. Like, Punisher Warzone. It's the last one that they have actually attempted. Uh, and that is... There's not a lot good about it. There's one good thing about it. What's that? Ray Stevenson is a good Punisher. Yes. Ray Stevenson goes back. Uh, he almost channels a little bit of like the Dolph Lundgren, where he's just a small, silent, like standalone guy you don't want to mess with. He's imposing. Like, he's like, very he's, imposing. I like 
Bernthal on the Netflix series yeah. probably the best, but like he's pretty good as a Punisher. He's um, convincing too as like the build of like yeah physicality Gassel. absolutely. Yeah. Like here's the thing I like about this movie, and which is why I will pop it in every year or two to watch it. He does a lot of cool stuff that you want to see the Punisher do, like scenarios like going in and take out out like a a mobster at the dinner table. Like he does a bunch of cool stuff, uh, but unfortunately. The rest of the movie, while there's all these cool things happening here and there, there's a bunch of crap going on too, like some really bad acting from some of the characters. They also like, they also kind of ruin one of his more interesting villains. Yeah, they did. Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, I know Jigsaw, but what was the guy's uh, Billy something? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, don't but remember. yeah, Jig- anyway, Jigsaw anyhow, uh, not Jigsaw. Jigsaw from Saw. <laughs> Jigsaw is an interesting character. They didn't really do much with it in this movie. They kind of turn it. Uh, made me upset. They at least introduced microchip. I've always wanted to see a microchip, a movie with microchip in it. They killed him off too early, unfortunately. But yeah, there's like a, this is a movie I will just pop in to watch him do the Punisher stuff. Like, you make an interesting point because there's like three Punisher movies, and they all kind of are like that hot mess. Like what none were of them you are thinking yeah. exactly. All of them are a hot mess, and I can't honestly tell you why I love them, but I do. Two of them at least come out at a renaissance of of comic book movies, and they and still, still have still no idea yeah, what they're yeah. doing. In any case, that's that's what I've got. So, Seth. So the next one, um, I'd probably say, is Bram Stoker's Dracula Dead and Lovely. <laughs> no. well, oh, no, I was like, what Bram? <laughs> but uh, I, the actual uh, Coppola version of Dracula, like I, I don't think this is a good movie, um, but it has some interesting choices that are made in it. Yeah. Um, the, the art direction is pretty incredible in this movie. Um, there are a lot honestly, of heaving bosoms in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there are. Yeah, I if mean, you like scantily clad of vampire women, you're you're going to enjoy this movie. It's to a point, um, too, where at one point you're like, I get it, dudes, but this is Victorian London. Like, come on, cover Lucy up. She's doing a lot of writhing <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's just like a retelling of the story. I mean, I... I can't remember so much from the book, but I think it's a little close to the book, uh, maybe more than uh, the old Dracula movies are. Um, And, I mean, it's got some weird choices in it. You know, having Keanu Reeves in this movie makes no sense whatsoever, and he's not good in it. But Gary Oldman and his um, portrayal of Dracula is really interesting, especially how he plays him. In two kind of separate ways, like one looking like an old grandmother, and then one like looks the like old, James like... Hatfield, and the other one like had the <laughs> the only good joke from Hotel Transylvania too. What's on your head? Looks like my grandmother's boobies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that legitimately a joke from that? Movie? Yes. Mel, that delivered by, that bad delivered by Mel mm. Brooks. Yeah, I agree mm. with you, Seth. But um, doesn't really go in the hot hot mess list. But <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I I think. If you, I mean, like, they're, they're just, they, they did a lot of stuff that was really, like, practically done. Like, there's a scene where they, you see, like, a train kind of going by in the in, in the background, and there's, like, a giant book in the foreground, and they built this actual, like, gigantic book, and had, like, the train going by in the background. So, like, a lot of the stuff that they well, did like, in this movie Coppola like, or practical. Werner Herzog would do that in a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the... We're, we're going to drag a boat over the top of Dracula's castle. The mise-en-scene in that movie does it, like, resembles a lot of, like old movies almost like you're looking at like the black and white Nosferatu from the yeah, 20s absolutely. like even some of the how some of the shots just go in and they like the aperture of the camera and then it pulls out 
He does a lot with shadows. Yeah, yeah, like he'll do some wipes and stuff like that. Um, you can basically rinse and repeat everything I said about Company of Wolves, for my opinion, <laughs> on Bram Stoker's Dracula. But it's, it's got, like, I mean, a lot of really weird performances. Like, uh, Carrie Ells is in there at one mm-hmm. point. Yes, and like, yeah. uh, Anthony Hopkins, like, again, chewing, chewing the scene. I forgot right. he was in that. And again, it, again, he's playing Van Helsing. And there's one scene where he's, like, so overcome. He's fighting. He's trying to, uh, you know, fight... Um, Mina Harker there, and he suddenly right. like is like overcome, and he decides to like motorboat her in the middle of the movie. And I'm like, Angela, <laughs> what is going on here? Must sex it up for the masses. I'm like, did that just happen? Wow. Yeah. No, I actually I do enjoy this movie, and it. I agree. I don't think it's a great movie, but it's absolutely something I'll pop in every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, and I think, and it was nominated for a lot of awards. I think some people think you know do think highly of it. I'm kind of probably. Popping in around Halloween time. It is yeah. a very visually sumptuous movie. But you're right. It kind of does lose the script when it comes to telling the story. Because at yeah. one point you're like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, Dracula is a fairly simple, straightforward story. And they just manage to, like... It it just has, like, a bad romance novel feel. Mm-hmm. To, like, the yeah. story that's being told. But it's trying to be this, like, prestige. But it's really campy, like, underneath of it. I, I think yeah. of it as, like, Dracula the Vegas floor show a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, speaking of, like, fill in the blank with prestigious literary mm-hmm. literary icon and then put the Vegas floor show after it, how about Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby, anybody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't I, 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 I actually kind of enjoy this movie, too. I did, too. And, again, it is, like, Great Gatsby, the, like, Vegas floor show mixed with, like, Great Gatsby, the pinball game. Like, yeah. it's such a weird, strange thing. And you knew you were going to get this from Boz Lerman. And I actually right. kind of like, I liked Boz Lerman back in the days of, like, Strictly Ballroom and Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Uh, even Moulin Rouge a little bit. But, like, when he started to get, like, Australia and he just, he was making, I'm like, okay, what's going on? So you yeah. knew this is the heavily stylized Boz Lerman. But I was surprised in how, and, and he just flattens everything that's, like, metaphorical and interesting and, and nuanced in the book. He just turns them into these big, gaudy visual icons. Like, there's no subtlety yeah. in this movie at all. Like, no. Gatsby's Pier is like this big, like, green, glowing light that looks like it belongs on the end, on the stems of those, like, Martian warships from the, like, George Powell War of the Worlds movie. Like, it just yeah. seems out like a green, green death beam. Tobey Maguire is in this movie not doing a great uh, job. Um, Carrie Mulligan, who plays uh, Daisy, like, she just Daisy, doesn't have, yeah. she's a little too, like, ephemeral for daisy like it just doesn't quite fit but i like this movie it's just a weird hodgepodge but i just don't know why anyone would think look at the great gatsby and say this is the kind of movie this is the kind of approach we need to take like it it is almost like having michael bay's citizen kane like honestly like like, don't say that too loudly well, I mean, it's like Michael a, Bay's sense, listening. a sense of right. <laughs> Rosebuddy. Like, I'm shoot, <laughs> shooting over, like, an icy peak with this, like, sled with guns attached to it. <laughs> it's like, like a, it's the fever dream version of The Great Gatsby. There's whole mm. scenes of CGI cars zooming down yes. these elaborate 1920 streets towards big, looming dance parties while, like, Jay-Z plays in the background. Yeah. <laughs> but... There's it, but there's actually good performances in here too. Like Joel Edgerton yeah. gives Joel a really Edgerton, good. Yeah. He's Elizabeth Debicki uh, is really good too. I mean, as Jordan, like there's really good stuff in this movie. It just doesn't. You're just sitting there wondering, like, why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> but I like it. But why? <laughs> 
Chris? Just wait till next we're going to get Paul W.S. Anderson's The Grapes of Wrath. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, man. Mila well, Jovovich is. Mila Jovovich, yeah. right. <laughs> I am two Lettys. Mila <laughs> right. Jovovich. I'm going to go with one. Uh, this is actually is a legitimately good movie, but it is also a hot mess. And I think you'll agree with me, Nathan. But How Sue. That movie's crazy. Yeah, no one can really argue with that. Like, but it's <laughs> it's a very interesting and entertaining movie to watch. It's well done. It's just like all over the place. Yeah. So for anyone, yeah, and I kind of agree because I, according to my own definition, like I want to say no, but like according to my own definition of like this has to fit in. Yeah. It, yeah. Like it does what it sets out to do. I don't know what it's setting out to do. And if you read the, if you if you follow what the the general thinking is on what ja- the Japanese uh, box office and the and the studios were trying to do. It's completely off because they saw the success of Jaws. They <laughs> hired this guy and said, "We need our version of Jaws," and they came up with this. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen this movie, Seth? Is this like House? Yes, House. Yeah, right? I, I did see House it once. House. I can't imagine anyone looking at this and saying, "This is going to be our Jaws." Like, no, uh, no, no. Like it's it. Technically, it has a a similar plot to, say, something like The Haunting of Hill House or something. You know, I've got a group of characters, in this case, young Japanese girls who go to this, like, With crazy names. With crazy names. Beauty and stuff. Yeah, the least crazy thing about the movie. Very Technicolor, weird-looking, very super colorful. It's like watching, like, Scooby-Doo after dropping acid and, like... They, I mean, it it has that feel of, like, a Scooby-Doo episode. They go out to a super color, technicolor haunted house... And they go in, and they're you know they're killed off in various ways, but just that doesn't even get at the heart of like what this movie no. is. Like, there's lots of weird just like scenes where the scene will freeze, and you're watching like cardboard cutout versions of the characters. Yeah, there's <laughs> one like kind of dopey boyfriend character who at one point for no reason all trips down the stairs, and all of a sudden it goes this weird montage, and he in the background is just going woo, and he's like spinning yes. around, like sliding. The- it's I think so he nutty. eventually turns into a bushel of bananas for no reason. <laughs> That they later they find a bushel of bananas with his hat. Like, there's a cat with laser eyes in this movie. Yeah. Um, isn't, there, isn't there a piano that eats a person? Yeah, that's, that's what's person. on the tip of my tongue. There's collage art. There's a flying head. <laughs> there's blood gushing out of every corner of the house at one point. That's weird because to watch this movie, it's made in the late 70s and in, in Japan, you can't really not connect it to, like, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2. Like, if I had, in for way, some reason, yeah. seen Su first... I'd have been like, wow, that's not that original, Sam. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Evil Dead 2 seems so, like, kind of like, wow, I've never seen this before. But if you see this movie, you're like, it's doing a lot of weird, transgressive stuff. Uh, it's a fun movie. I like it a lot. Um, but it is utterly bewildering. Yes. <laughs> so, good movie, but fits. Yeah, yeah, it's a hot, it's a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that one, Seth? Yeah, I just remember it being very, very strange, and I, I, I liked it for what it was. I, it's not something I think I would, like, I'd probably, like, the only way I'd probably watch it again is if I had, like, people who'd never heard of it before just to, like, have that, like, see what their reactions would be to that movie. That is the perfect use of this movie. We had a yeah. friend who was, like, very, like, straight-laced, conservative. I know what I like, and that's what I like, and, like, too much weirdness will make me, you know, yeah. run away. Oh, that's a good person um, for it, then. I, he sat down once with a ham sandwich to watch Ravenous with me. He regretted that. And uh, <laughs> But at the end of this movie, the look on his face was astonishing. It was yeah. awesome. Like, it was worth every bit of, like, yes, it's, it's a weird movie. I think he did ask us, like, what did I just watch? 
why <laughs> did I watch it? And my wife came in at the end and was like, what was that? I'm like, you just be glad you were gone. <laughs> Seth? So, of course, I had to bring Stephen King into this. And uh, this is not going to be in one of part of our adaptation series because it's not really an adaptation. Uh, it's an original script. But it's the movie Sleepwalkers. <laughs> um <laughs> I wonder, this is one of it's those, on my list. Was it on your list, Chris? It was not on my oh, list. Okay. I did not even think of it. Yeah. This is this is one of those movies that, like, this was another one that was, like, on HBO constantly back in the 90s. And this, this is a really weird movie. This is probably, like, this is uh, directed by Mick Garris, which uh, I'm not a huge fan of some of his stuff. I, I think he's too faithful of his adaptation um, director. But this movie is just so weird it's about like a mother and son kind of cat-like creatures who are also like <laughs> i guess allergic to cats but they like are in some kind of like incestuous relationship because they're and the only it, two left as far as they know yeah yeah and uh like it's i don't, I don't think it, i'm pretty sure it doesn't take place during the 50s but there's like it also feels like it takes place during the 50s because the song and of course how on the nose can you get but to play the song sleepwalker like yeah. all through the movie, like that kind of slow dance sort of 50s music. Um, it's, yeah, it's Sleepwalkers is a weird movie because I kind of agree with you. Like it's something about it's compelling. Also, I should say that like um, Enya has a piece of like yeah. weird creepy humming music. Yeah, it's great. plays crazy. over the, um, uh, that's called Bodeca, which is actually like clearly she wrote it as some kind of, tie into like the Celtic warrior goddess and they were like let's throw it into sleepwalkers it'll go perfectly <laughs> over scenes of marauding cats and uh Ron Perlman's in this movie has a scene where he gets his yeah. fingers bit off uh Mad Chinamick from mm. Twin Peaks coming off of Twin Peaks was in this movie I said <laughs> an approving murmur from yes. Chris um <laughs> Brian Krauss from other such classics as Return to the Blue Lagoon yes yeah. uh Glenn Shaddix, a, a, a Tim Burton favorite, you know the guy who plays yeah. Otho in Beetlejuice, uh, was has a has a scene as like a pervy teacher or something. And, <laughs> and you also get like crazy like horror cameos: Joe Dante, Clyde Barker, Toe Hooper, Stephen King. Uh, they're all like in the same Stephen shot King. together. They're all like with the crime John Landis scene. too. I think it's just like everybody's in here. Uh, it's it's kind of fun. It's weird. The, the incestuous thing is like I don't know quite why that needs to be there because there's scenes no. of them like like there's definitely a scene of like two naked cat people in like full cat people costumes sort of like that's going kinda, at it. Sometimes that's just a Stephen King thing. I mean. But I don't, what is it? So what is it though about the cat people thing that makes people want to like go the incestuous route? Because – and I don't know if maybe know. Garrus is just not being original because – so there's the old 1940s movie Cat People, which is excellent. Yeah. This is a classic, which shouldn't even be mentioned in this podcast. But no. <laughs> and it had a sequel that wasn't much of a sequel, Curse of the Cat People, which yeah. was good in its own right. Um, which I think we talked about on the overlooked horror movies. But Paul Schrader in the 80s makes Cat People, which has yeah. these panther people that are not unlike the Sleepwalkers, and brother and sister are getting it on. Yeah, huh. I mean Cat People is oh. also a hot mess movie. It's weird because half. Chunks of this movie take place in some sort of like primeval world before time where like humans and leopards had to coexist and procreate <laughs> and create another race of people. But it's weird. It's like you're watching Quest for Fire with like leopards. Uh, <laughs> and the 
Natasha Kinski spends most of her the movie in the buff, and unfortunately, so does <laughs> Michael. I mean, Malcolm McDowell. Ooh, um, <laughs> this is eighties Malcolm McDowell, but still, I mean, John yeah. Hurd, like the father from Home Alone. Really, it's a weird like you, you chain me to the bed because I'm a panther. I mean, it's a <laughs> cat cat people. What is it with cat people? I don't know. <laughs> But I will, if, if I do have to give you any kind of selling points to check out Sleepwalkers, it is a movie where you get to see somebody stabbed to death with an ear of corn. So take That's that right. as you will. And it, didn't we get that in Troll 2 as well? No, that was <laughs> that was ear of corn on the inner thigh and then turning someone into yeah. corn. Oh. If you don't know what to talk about, check it out. No, don't check no, it don't out. Check it out. Um, <laughs> well, it also has almost a Schwarzenegger line with it, which is, don't forget to finish your vegetables or something like that. After <laughs> yeah. she stabs him in the corner. And I should say, Alice Cridge is actually pretty good in the movie. Like, playing. Yeah, she is. Uh, if you're trying to remember, she was in a pretty cool movie in the 80s, Ghost Story. She was also the female yeah. Borg queen in mm-hmm. Star Trek uh, First, First Contact. Contact. I like Alice Cridge a lot. She's, uh, I, she's probably not used enough in good movies. But she's pretty prominent in this one, uh, and I, I liked her. She may, she, I can see why you would cast Alice Cridge as a uh, cat, cat woman. Yeah, definitely. So in that vein, if we're kind of talking about like horror movies, do you guys remember a movie called The Guardian? Yes. So is that the one where there's? Uh, just describe it. I don't want to get ahead of you. Sorry. Yeah, well, because you're probably thinking, no, like... that's not a real movie. Uh, where <laughs> the hot nanny feeds babies to a tree. Nope, not it. Not what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm curious now to hear what you were thinking about. The Sentinel. It just came to me. Sorry. Wow, that's kind of Jeff Goldblum again. Um, <laughs> so, The Guardian is a movie about this... Uh, she's some sort of Celtic Druidic spirit or something. And yeah. she disguises herself as an nanny, gets into people's houses, and eventually takes their babies off to a giant tree where she feeds them to this tree, which it is some sort awesome. of like... It sounds awesome, yes. But imagine that movie made as an almost like a Cinemax late night movie or like a USA, yeah. like a USA TV movie. Like imagine <laughs> that concept made that way. It's not really a great movie. It's like too much spent on the, like the insipid parents of the child when you're kind of just yeah. rooting for the like rooting <laughs> for the tree, <laughs> the, the tree goddess, slaughter everyone and <laughs> just pile that tree full of babies. Um <laughs> It's a weird thing to say, but it's, it's got its charms, I think. Yeah. Kind of. It's a it's a weird 90s horror movie. It's a William Friedkin film. It is. There, okay, because I was like, how? what's the connection to The Exorcist? There it is, William Friedkin. The, Friedkin's got some crap to his name, too. But yeah, he does. This, is, this isn't as bad as Jade, but it's pretty... Mm. It's pretty bad, <laughs> uh, but it's compelling. Like the tree, there's a there's a scene towards the end where they're trying to defeat this girl, and the way that they do it is kind of interesting and visually compelling. But Chris, uh, this one um, is actually a TV movie, but I'm gonna talk about it anyway. Um, Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that is a deep cut there. Yeah, that one is. Uh, I will say I was honestly like entertained by it, and there are some parts that are like kind of mildly chilling. But it's about like this evil dog that uh, this uh, family takes in to watch over them, and it turns out it's like the like the guardian of the devil or something. I, I think it started off with like this cult had found this pack of dogs, and somehow something was demonic or wrong about them. I forget exactly what it was, but they they. 
they had this guy on the side of the road with a bunch of puppies, and he was his whole plot was to give this dog to a family, and so like he waited and found this family came around, and he gave them the dog, and he like packed up all the rest of the puppies and rode off like into the sunset. So they were just trying to get rid of this one dog specifically. Um, but it, 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 yeah, so like this family has this dog, and things just start happening like. Uh, accident with a lawnmower where someone nearly got like jacked up with the lawnmower blades in their face uh but they didn't uh you know because it was a tv movie they didn't get too crazy with certain things but um so like uh i think someone dies somewhere along the line uh eventually the father has to go on a spirit quest out and see the native americans and they tell him he needs to be the man to take over his family again because a dog is trying to take over <laughs> it's bizarre and like eventually he fights him in like an industrial like warehouse and the dog turns into like this larger spiked horn thing which is like they throw this like pelt they made over a real dog essentially <laughs> and they have yeah. his glowy little eyes I, there are some creepy moments to it though i've said this before a bunk podcast i think we were talking about don't be afraid of the dark we need a whole episode dedicated to horror or or just tv movies from that 70s or 80s time frame yeah sure. like that could Definitely. be a whole there's so better yet many we need them. to have a movie day watch them and then talk yes about it. yeah that yes that needs to happen because bermuda depths i will find a copy of bermuda <laughs> carl weathers uh burl ives a giant sea turtle and a jenny handover involved i mean it can't get better than that um that's an amazing movie but devil dog is weird. have you seen that one seth I have not seen that it's one. No, impressive. It's not. Yeah, it's like on the level of Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. <laughs> also a real movie. Seth. So next up, I'm going to go a little bit more recent. This is one I, I saw not too long ago. Um, this is a sci-fi movie. I think from like 2011, 2012, maybe. Uh, it's called Mr. Nobody, and it stars Jared Leto, and. It, this is a movie that takes place over a course of what seems to be like thousands of years. Uh, he, he's like the oldest living human in the world. Every, they found out a way to not allow people to die, and he's going to be the last person who is going to be able to die in like this new society. And it's all about kind of like, um, I guess, coincidence and how things, uh, how your life can turn on like, you know, the flip of a dime. Um, it's it's a very kind of incomprehensible film. Uh, it's it's more like an art piece than it is like a like a straightforward narrative to this movie. It does it's and it's also almost four hours long too. Uh, it doesn't work really all that well. I think I don't think most people are going to enjoy this movie. But there is some really interesting stuff within the movie. It's just, it was one of those ones where I put it on. And I was like, I can't believe I'm going to watch a three and a half hour long movie right now. But like, I just kind of got transfixed by it. Even not like that. I was loving it, but I just couldn't like stop watching it. And if you're into kind of weird stuff like that, I, I do think it's something that you might get something out of. I mean, anyways, the visuals themselves are just really cool in this movie as well too. And Nathan, did you see this one? I, I did see it, and it's funny because I was trying to find out, Seth, because, like, you were saying it's three hours long, and you're not really far off. It's about, it's 140 minutes long, which is oh, okay. about the same length as a Transformers movie. But um, <laughs> but it felt like, I was like, this movie could have been 90 minutes long, and I still felt like it was four hours long. Um, <laughs> yeah. When we were, it, it's a weird movie. It is one of those movies that's, like, kind of, like, uh, sweeping in the sense of trying to give you this span of thousands of years and there's movies we've seen that do, do that 
in even 90 minutes, movies like The Fountain. Uh, right. A movie I talked about, I mentioned to you, Seth, and to Chris, and I consider putting on this list, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I still come down on that it's an actual good movie and doesn't belong here, which was Cloud Atlas. I think a lot of people yeah. thought that movie was a hot mess, and I don't know that I agree. I can see why people would say it. That Mr. Nobody felt like he was trying to do some of the same things Cloud Atlas does, but in a very weird and sort of austere way. Like, yeah. it sounds like this movie we're describing, it shows the future, it shows the past, it shows alternate connecting timelines. It sounds like it should be really visually, like, sumptuous, but it's not. Like, it yeah. seems like it should be really, like, cerebral, but it's not. Like, it seems <laughs> like it should be really sort of um, engaging in, in its segments. Or, or like you said, artistic. But this is not like Terrence Malick. Like, this no. movie is sometimes just really chatty in the way a sitcom would be, which is weird like and Leto is giving a very bizarre performance because he's decided he's not gonna play one guy he's gonna play like 15 different people and I don't mean that he's literally 15 different people he's trying to play facets of the same character but they don't feel like the same character at all so it literally feels like you're just watching snippets of like 10 different movies where they told Jared Leto to. it's almost like that movie Holy Motors Oh my Except goodness! Except where yeah. Holy Motors was, which I love and think is a fantastic film, and is in no way a hot mess, but it achieves some of that same feelings. This is like if you just did that, but didn't intentionally do it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you could say you could justify hot mess that Holy Motors is a hot mess along the lines of How Sue. Well, no, no, because I think Holy Motors is so specific. Like it, it's so it aims exactly what it's trying to do. It's just trying to do something that you probably haven't thought about seeing before. I mean. Holy Motors, you can watch that, and if it, the first time you watch it, it's like, wow, that's just a lot of stuff. And if you watch it a second time, you're like, there's some real stuff going on there. I think they're making some points about things. It's a good... Did you see Holy Motors? Yeah, um, I saw it. I liked it, too. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Nobody, Chris, I, I don't know whether to recommend it to you or not. I kind of like... I don't know. I've seen it come across my Netflix queue quite frequently. So. It's where... Like, I'll tell you what. You turn it on, you'll feel free to turn it off because you're not headed towards a destination uh, if you're not if you're not enjoying you know it i'm all about the journey rather than destination. well and that's the thing with this movie that's kind of that kind of a movie wouldn't you say i mean uh Seth, yeah. it's kind of the journey yeah, movie. it's not the it's not a destination movie a destination no. movie is going to get you into trouble i think there's um, no linear structure within this movie so now um we're we're kind of coming down the end here so i'm just gonna start like lobbing titles at you a little bit and just letting you just look at me like what the heck are you doing <laughs> Conan the Destroyer. <laughs> I was going to mention that, but I was like, no, it is it is a mess, but it's like, it definitely does what it's supposed to do. To me, it, is, to me, it does accomplish what it's setting out to do, but I don't think it's actually accomplishing what people want from a Conan the Barbarian movie exactly. Like, it's maybe more like Captain Caveman. Like, it's hard to like, <laughs> have you seen this movie, Seth? Oh, like, yeah. There are so many bad... Bar- Here's the thing. There's so many bad Barbarian movies from the 80s that everyone still kind of enjoys. Like the Barbarians with like the Barbarian Brothers or whatever. Like Red Sonja, which is technically like Conan 3. You know, like those yeah. movies I get entertainment value from because they're bad. But I just watched Conan the Destroyer the other day with the kids. And the kids like love And I, I'm still kind of enjoying it. You're kind of right. Like I'm enjoying it for the movie it's trying to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not even enjoying it from this point of like, oh, what a terrible like, you know, fantasy movie. It's... It just sounds really sick of me to say. I kind of, and it's probably nostalgia, I kind of enjoy it better than Conan the Barbarian. Wow. (laughs) All right. Like, so that movie has a great Basil Polidor score. It's a better movie. I mean, Nietzsche gets quoted at the beginning. But it's like trying to turn Conan the Barbarian into like a heavy, like, revenge-driven movie. Like, like they're trying to make a great point with Conan the Barbarian. Like, 
he's just like a loincloth slashing madman in like Conan yeah. the Destroyer. Like, and there's other people out there who are gonna be like, well, the Robert E. Howard character was so intelligent, cerebral. Yeah, okay, but like, <laughs> like there's a scene in this, and I'm going to use this quote somewhere in the podcast where he they get Conan drunk. Like, so Conan plus. It's the only movie we're going to see Will Chamberlain, who what, what who who in real life professed to have like slept with thousands and thousands yeah. of women. Like the numbers, it's like implausible. It's like twenty thousand or something. <laughs> and but in the movie, they cast him as the protector of the young girl's virginity. Like yeah. that is his one goal in the film. And you cast Will Chamberlain. Hey, so, to be fla- to be fair, Ric Flair just said he had ten thousand women. But, I mean the. Uh, and and like Olivia Diabo is like the young girl. You got Sarah Douglas from Superman Two is like the evil like witch. They any like Tracy Walter is like his sidekick. They decided that Conan needs like a, yeah. a quipping sidekick whose quips are the worst ever. Grace Jones shows up wearing like a raccoon tail fastened to her bottom. And there's a scene like halfway through this movie where like. After they've defeated an evil wizard who's stolen the princess while they weren't paying attention, after he suspects that Wilt Chamberlain is going to sell them all out, and he's given him the, like, Arnold sneer, Arnold gets blind, sloppy drunk. Like, yes. like Conan is drunk. Like, he is sitting on a tree, and they're, like, trying to talk to him, and she's like, what are you going to do next? He's like, well, I'm going to find the promise I was kingdomed. <laughs> I mean, the... The kingdom I was promised. And then he's like, yeah. he says something along the lines of, I have to go. And like just falls falls asleep against a log <laughs> or something. But they, they fight a horned god at the end, which is literally Andre the Giant in a giant like rubber <laughs> suit that looks like someone just stapled a bunch of like foam mattresses together and painted it with paper mache. Yeah, that 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 was kind of. But I don't know. Like, I enjoy it as like a swashbuckling adventure movie. I don't know why I do. It just I do. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I can't disagree with any of your points, so. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> I thought you were going to start uh, rapid firing. Well, us. I mean, we can. You yeah, have any I mean, others? I had kind of an idea that I really I wanted to talk about this because it. I feel like in concept should be a hot mess, total hot mess, has all the elements to be a hot mess, but yet due to the skill of the director became like just an excellent film that I go back to time and again. Can I talk about it or is that just not going to work? You can talk. I don't have no idea what movie you're talking about. So I want to talk about Kill Bill. So we have volume one. I think that's one of my like favorite movies. I can watch it over and over again. There are so many weird elements in that movie and the way that it's cut in the stories, like how it's mixed around. You have different styles of film. You have animation mixed in all this different kind of weird kinds of music, all this stuff that to like the more like director that just wants to jam everything in there. This would have been a total hot mess, but like Tarantino just makes this like kind of masterpiece out of like of just weird entertainment. So I'll just quickly say that should have been a hot mess, but was like one of my favorite movies. I had to talk about it. So I, I feel like you're tempting me here, Chris, because you know that I'm kind of the like Quentin Tarantino with sometimes the Emperor with no clothes. Yes. And like That's I want say. to say, and I would not say for your benefit, but I think that Kill Bill may just be a hot mess. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Like, I see all your points you're making. I'm not disagreeing because, like, I <laughs> don't know that Kill Bill's real. Like, Tarantino, to me, always makes hot messes. And, like, people are just like, it's brilliant. It's amazing. But it's like, it's just like, it's afternoon at the video store. It's always afternoon right. at the video store. 
But people like that. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I love Kill Bill, but Kill Bill 2 is the actual movie. Yeah, Kill it Bill is. 1 yeah. is like a musical montage of just right. like... Madness. Of, of, yeah, like just every kind of... Um, if you ran through and said, hand me all your Japanese movies and like just <laughs> jammed them into your brain and was playing like like crappy 60s pop music. I'm not even going to apologize. I love it. <laughs> but the skill is there, definitely. I mean, no, because this, 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 the, like, Hattori Hanzu scene where Sonny Chiba comes yeah. into the movie, like, that isn't just dropping Sonny Chiba into the movie. It's a really good scene. He has great instincts, but he purposely makes hot messes, I think. Like, but that's what he's setting out to do. I, I, yeah, it's hard because I feel like Tarantino is that one director who gets, I don't want to say a free pass like his movies are bad, but he will do things that other people would be called indulgent for. And that people would... Like putting himself in his own movies? Yeah. That's why I would agree with you on that. That's ridiculous. Um, But uh, but like, I like Kill Bill. I I like Kill Bill a lot. It's a fun movie. But yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go any further. (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts on that one, Seth? Yeah, you guys pretty much covered that one for me. (laughs) He's not going to take a side. That's fair. After I just said so I, I love Conan the Destroyer, and then I'm like ragging on Tarantino. <laughs> I want to talk about um, uh, this science fiction classic from 2008 by the auteur director Tom Putnam called The Hottie and the Naughty. What? Wasn't that movie like 10 years coming out? Like it, they, yeah. they would keep like It came out before it. Paris Hilton was born. Mm. She time traveled back in time to get to be in it. Um, now, How long did you spend this... planning to like ransack the podcast by talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> Next, Rob like, Schneider's the animal. It'd be worse if I was like actually serious about this. I was like, like no, Tom guys, Putnam. Like, what sci-fi movie came out in two thousand eight? <laughs> but what one movie? Yeah, no. Like I don't think it was. I'm definitely not saying that this is a good movie, but this is. This is also... This is a movie. <laughs> it's, visu- <laughs> it's a movie. It's visually interesting, and it's definitely worth getting together with a group of friends to take a look at. It's it's a movie called Upside Down. <laughs> well, well played. And, and I'm not joking nice. about this one. I, I think this one's legitimately one... This is a hot mess movie. If you want to talk about a hot mess movie, this is like a weird fantasy science fiction like where there's two people who are they're starting it's like romeo and juliet tale uh they they come from two different planets that are like orbiting each other and one person is upside down from another (laughs) to the point where like if you're in a ballroom on the ground and look up the other people are in the ballroom right above you it makes zero (laughs) sense yeah it it, there there's no point and it there's weird like stuff about them like like drinking these kind of like big pink bubbles or something like that so they can go to the upside down there i mean there there are some very cool visuals in this movie like a scene where he jumps off of building in one of the planets and lands into the ocean on another planet i mean there's cool looking things in there and there's there are some interesting ideas in there but it's just it's done so it's executed so poorly to the point that it you just can't help but just laugh your ass off the entire time watching it, which is what we did when we all watched this movie together. <laughs> yeah, we think we had this is back sometime after we had done the first like Phantom Galaxy. Well, it wasn't Phantom Galaxy; it was Pop Culture Ninja back then, and it was the first attempt at the podcast, not not the one from last year, but like 2012 or something. And uh, 
we got together like the group at the time and we watched a couple different movies like your hunter from the future and like yeah. grabbers <laughs> and something else and then in vhs too i think and then we watched this which was my choice and this is funny <laughs> because i don't think it was you said chris you and I were discussing this concept, remember, of like coming up with the idea yeah. of the hot mess movies, and was not the example was, I gave was yes. the exact movie he just it mentioned, and was. you stared at me like disbelieving, like really, Nathan? <laughs> like upside <laughs> well, down. Well, that's because okay, I I just did not care for it. That's what, like that to me. To me, it was a, a legitimately bad movie. I just didn't care for it. Uh, if you know, you. Like some elements to it, so it perfectly fits. You know, it's almost it's like, the best example I think, only because it's like some of these other movies I mentioned. I legitimately have affinity for. Yeah. I really don't have affinity yeah. for this movie. I would not watch it a second time. But no. while it was on, and if it were on TV, I might stop to watch a few images of it because there were things I got out of it. But it just was so infuriating that it just refused to come together. Mm-hmm. Like it had some good actors. I mean, there was this kind of relationship he had with Timothy Spall. Like he's going to this other world, and you're like. This movie makes no sense, but instead of just really going with it, they kept coming back to this sappy, like, YA love story between Kirsten Dunst and Jim Sturgis. It just did not work at all, and they could have been having so much fun with the concepts, Mm -hmm. but they didn't. But it was still something fascinating about it, knowing that my time was being burnt, that I just got everybody (laughs) together, everyone's traveled down, Seth's like traveled two hours to watch friggin' Upside Down, and like, (laughs) but I can't say that i had a bad time watching it i mean part of that was we had like beer and we're sitting in somebody's like <laughs> homemade theater and i had like three hershey bars in my lap but i mean it, the, the, the thing was it was it was interesting but it was not good and it was it was throwing itself out there but it was just like crashing against the rocks so to speak um let's start wrapping this up so i got a couple others here i always thought the russell Mulcahy version of the shadow from 94 with Alec Baldwin yeah, yeah. is Alec a Baldwin, good, yeah. like that's got a lot of the hallmarks of what we mentioned, weird cast like all mm. over the place. I mean, Peter Boyle is his cabbie. Tim Curry is a mad scientist. Ian McKellen is an absent-minded scientist. Uh, John Lone yeah. is Genghis Khan's like ancestor yeah. who like ships himself in a statue to like New York City. Penelope oh. Ann Miller. Penelope Ann Miller is his girlfriend. Uh, Alec Baldwin is playing this also very, uh, he's very sardonic in the movie like it's yeah. got a lot of weird mm-hmm. like lines like he like when he meets uh genghis khan he's like you're a barbarian who's your tailor it's just weird things it's got a <laughs> it's got a weird tibetan uh psychic dagger that has a face that screams like yes. it's strange it feels like it does capture that 1920s pulp radio i mean yeah. uh jonathan winters is in this movie for crying out loud <laughs> like it's just a weird cast like from top to bottom, it's a strange movie, but I I like but it's it. Like fun. It, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. It, it, it kind of has that kind of rollicking pop. I enjoyed it like on the same level as something like The Phantom, which is similar. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I like this one a little better than The Phantom. Here's another one where I just go to exclaim crazy stuff with no intention to back it up. It seems to be the rage these days. Uh, <laughs> I like The Shadow better than I like Batman from 1989. And that's all I have left <laughs> oh to say. Oh my goodness! <laughs> just, let's let everyone stew on that one. Friends, <laughs> man, just been testing. everybody's turning off their podcast yeah. right now. Um, you guys got anything else? I got a, I got a couple more. Go for it. Uh, I always kind of liked Joe versus the volcano with Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's a good movie. You see, this? you see, and maybe that is. Maybe that one's legitimately. Maybe I need to return to that. But it always felt like this movie that was like, "What are you doing? Is anyone really getting this? Like, you know, like it's." A comedy but is it really like it feels like a strange 
almost surrealist commentary on yeah. the like like it starts out as this commentary on like the complete soul crushing depression of being a working class cog. Yeah. But then have you seen the movie, Chris? Yeah. But then he like goes to this then it's like a weird campy Tom Hanks eighties like movie. Meg Ryan plays like four different characters. I it's just yeah. and, and then they're gonna sacrifice him to the volcano. It's like at no point does like any part of this movie seem to match up with what you just watched. No, no, not at all. But it has that kind of feel of a fable. I'm like, is that what you're going for? Is it really like, it's not quite like the way Tim, it's, it's almost feels like kind of like a Tim Burton movie, but not really, not quite there. Uh, I might need to go back and revisit that one because I feel like maybe they were achieving something I just didn't quite get at the time. But I remember thinking this movie is all over the place. <laughs> if you're talking Tim Burton and we're talking hot mess, we can't forget Mars Attacks. Mars Attack, yeah, I, I like Mars Attack. That's a fun, and I think it kind of was kind of based off a, a, a like a trading card yeah. series, like a yeah, right? missing was that stick of bubble gum that you could cut a box with. Um, Hocus Pocus, it's out yeah. there, it's on the table. Hocus Pocus, I like that one. I like um, that too. It's... I actually just recently watched it for the first time. I thought it was all right. We were having a discussion about this the other day because I had Omri Katz that was in Erie, Indiana. I was watching that with the kids, and my sister was like, "Oh, you used to have a crush on him." I was like, "Well, Hocus Pocus." Vanessa Shaw and Hocus Pocus. Mm, you're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at <laughs> the all. The whole podcast just stops. Harley Davidson <laughs> and the Mar- Marlboro Man. Has anyone seen this movie? No, I've never even no. heard of it. No, really? Okay, like, look it up. So, the last thing you're probably thinking this is, is a post-apocalyptic buddy movie <laughs> that involves armed robbery. That's all I'll say about it. Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Amazing. Speaking of post-apocalyptic, um, how about a boy and his dog? That's a weirdo movie. Yeah, that yeah. that's a hard one because you're like, it's another one where I'm like, is it really like a very like structured critique of social breakdown or is it just a mess? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit of both. It's sometimes it's sometimes it's both. Tobe Hooper's Life Force because, and mm-hmm. then you know what? I yeah. gotta say, I don't think we've done the podcast since uh, Hooper passed away. I know everyone knows him for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm not as and Jason Coupler who's here with Throttle Me because he loves Texas Chainsaw. I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I, I I appreciate for what it is. I, there's other Hooper movies like Salem's Lot that I prefer, and the debate still rages on whether he directed Poltergeist. But I say he did, so there's Poltergeist. But um, I I think have you guys seen Life Force? Yes, I have not. This is I by want far. To. This is an ambitious movie. It's about space vampires. And it's not, like, sort of about space vampires. Like, it's very <laughs> British. Matilda May, who plays the lead space vampire, is... And I don't mean this in, like, a, a ghost way, but I think she's nude for, like, almost this entire film. <laughs> no, she is. When she's herself. Because at one point, she turns into Patrick Stewart. Not nude, <laughs> Like, she, she possesses Patrick Stewart's body. So Patrick Stewart is playing Damn. a young, nubile female vampire but only in his mind it's very weird that's to crazy see. he's like look what an auteur i am look what a, <laughs> look, i'm the greatest british actor it's the movie Hello, that species sugar. it's like the movie that species like should have been but i mean it gets crazy <laughs> at some point there's even people metamorphosing into giant like city tall vampire bats yeah mm. it's a it's a weird movie it but has it's shades I, of I 2001 it. in it too like the, the alien spacecraft scenes are like really like well done it's it's absolutely bizarre you should like it's a good halloween kind of thing it's got reanimated corpses good special effects it's just it's nutty 
There's no other, but it's not, again, it's not quite good and successful. You're just like, I've never seen all these things in a <laughs> single movie together. In, uh, together. Uh, you want to talk about, uh, we were talking about when we were really like throwing stuff out there. Uh, stay tuned. Seth, do you want to talk yes. about this? Yeah, stay tuned. This is a movie, I think, from like the mid-90s or so. This is uh, John Ritter. I can't remember who else is in it, but they they get some kind of, <laughs> it's in like a satellite dish and it zaps them into the tv but it's like a like a hellish like hell tv or something like that so they they're kind of in this demon world and they they go from like channel to channel if, if you've ever seen the episode of supernatural called um i think it's called changing channels it's kind of in the vein of that kind of it's thing the where they're version of shocker do you remember shocker yeah which is also a hot mess uh, yeah. They're running through the TV station, so it's like just a spoof. It almost feels like a Joe Dante movie. I, it's not Dante; it's the other guy, Peter Hyams, I think, which is like low, poor man's Joe Dante. He did the Relic. <laughs> um, yeah. How about Parents? Parents. That's yes. a met. the Cannibal that's... Parents with Randy yeah. Quaid. That's a weird movie because yeah. that movie is like it's trying to be about something. It's like trying to be a legitimate movie. And I cannot understand the tone of that movie. Like, <laughs> no. it's not a horror film exactly. It's a dark, dark comedy that's not really funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very like it's very confusing it's, it's, what you're supposed to feel watching this. thing. Yeah, there's a very strange scene, like one of the strangest scenes I've probably seen in any movie, where there's a little boy and he has hidden himself in the pantry, and the whole mm-hmm. movie kind of is from the boy's perspective, slowly coming to realize his parents may be cannibals. But it's, yeah. and like Bob Balaban's directed it, and you're like, I'm not sure what, it, it, they don't play these things for huck, huck, laughs. He's hidden in the closet. He's watching, I think his mother or somebody stab, stab someone to death. Stab <laughs> someone he actually knows and cares about to death. And while it's happening, the sausage links are samba in their way up his like legs and around his torso, and they're sort of <laughs> dancing around him, and it like reminds me of like the Dunderbacks Machine song, you know, like uh, where the sausages start to dance for the little boy, and you're like, what is happening right now? It's just such a weird scene. It's like the moment where this child's innocence comes crashing down, and there's dancing sausage links that are probably made out of ground human. It's gosh, that is a hot, hot, hot. Mess. It's worth it's worth checking out, though. I think. Yeah, it is. I we could go on. We it could probably keep going, but I think it's probably yes. time to. Uh, I'd love to hear from any everyone uh, what they think. I will end on this movie because we mentioned the clip which is gremlins 2 yeah Uh, hot mess that's legitimately don dante i still love that movie i still me too love gremlins 2 even with the hulkster (laughs) yes i'm gonna just i I, I don't eat after midnight brother it i think i just like i the thing is dante is always trying to draw from this like like a kid who just who like gorges themselves on junk food television like that's been yeah. his style of making movies always 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 and gremlins 2 is like the you know how like sleepy hollow by tim burton is almost like the unfiltered tim burton yeah like it's yeah. like if there's a magnetic center not in his best movie but if there's a magnetic center to tim burton's like world like the one movie that looks like he just pulled the top of his brain off and let it like ooze onto film it's like sleepy hollow it's like yeah. the distillation of everything he is that's what I feel like Gremlins 2 is to Joe Dante. Like yeah. where like Joe Dante trying to hide all his little film references. He's like, "Now we're just going to we're just going to reference everything, slap it into a movie and put some gremlins in it." Yeah. Vegetable gremlin. <laughs> Dante is like he he's in love with cartoons and you know, he was honestly the even though everybody hates this movie, he was probably one of the 
best people to do a Looney Tunes movie. And I don't I mean, honestly, that movie. Like, I kind of like that. I, I, don't, movie. I don't think I don't think that movie's a bad movie. I think it's it's much better than Space Jam. <laughs> that, that truth, truth. It's more in the vein of a Looney Tunes film, and it's got a really great scene, like in a museum where they're like jumping through the paintings, and it goes all different art styles. It feels like an actual Looney Tunes cartoon. We don't have a modern audience who really can appreciate a Looney Tunes movie. I know that sounds like a kind of yeah. pompous thing to say, but like when that movie came out like 2003, people were watching crap like the Haunted Mansion. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, yeah. it, 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 they didn't really have a, Jonte makes movies. That's why he doesn't probably get to make as many movies because he's making them for an audience of like a hypothetical audience that I'm not sure exists much anymore or not enough to warrant, you know, him getting the budget to make the movie he wants. Joe Dante yeah. should have been the guy to make a Transformers movie. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, definitely. I'll he probably did. It called it Small Soldiers. Um, <laughs> what about Phantasm? That is a mess of a movie. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Those movies aren't good. <laughs> and we can't say too much because here's the thing. If you want to hear any more about Phantasm, this is where we you have to go find our podcast. We did a weird Christmas episode where we covered Chris and I watched every Phantasm movie there was. I think parts Man. of our brains like leaked out yeah. of our ears. <laughs> that is that's hot mess. Prophecy, and and this covers yes. any movie called Prophecy. Whether you're talking about Christopher <laughs> yes. Walken, War in Heaven, Angel movie where Viggo Mortensen plays the devil, or you're talking about the uh, Richard Foxworth, Talia Shire movie where Armando Sante plays a Native American, yes. and there's a logging company that has put uh, mercury in the water, which creates a giant meatloaf bear yep. that at one point smacks a kid in a sleeping bag up against the wall, and he just explodes into a flurry of feathers. Yes. Have you seen this movie, Seth? Oh hell yeah! This movie's it's, amazing, it's kind of crazy, and I yeah. like it. I like it as a movie. Like I don't even sit there and watch it as a bad. movie. I'm just like, yeah, Meatloaf Bear, go, go, <laughs> go, Meatloaf Bear, kill, kill. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I think anyone else, anything else? Let now, uh, no, <laughs> forever hold your peace. I see that Seth earlier you mentioned the Willard remake. Oh, yeah. ah, with Crispin Glover, he's probably. I don't disagree movies. on that. That is a that kind is of a strange yeah. movie, the Willard remake, because it's not exactly good. It's got parts that I like better. I probably like it as I a better than watch movie. It though. Like I kind of there's certain parts. Uh, it's not good, no, but there's elements to it that I kind of like. I loved Arlie Ermy playing his boss, and at one point yes. he's going yeah. to kill one of the rats and screams, "Hey, Walt, it's Mickey. I'm coming to join you." Right before he like <laughs> beats it to death. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Crispin Glover like acting crazy. The weird so. thing about it, if you really, if you don't, if you don't even want to watch the movie Willard, it, you know what? It felt like an EC horror comic come to life. That's what a little that movie bit. Felt yes. like. If you want to see the weirdest thing associated with this Willard, is go watch Crispin Glover's music video where he redoes the song Ben. Yeah, and he's like uh, dancing in the front of this weird like Kabuki art style background with the rat, and it's like <laughs> it's creepy and weird as anything. Uh, the one thing I distinctly remember about this is seeing this movie at a theater in like middle of the day on a Saturday afternoon and the the, the the rat that plays Ben it's not even a rat it's like some kind of like marsupial from an African like rainforest <laughs> or something like legitimately it's not a rat and like but it's big it, you know seems like a rat does a good job playing a rat it's running across the screen and all of a sudden somebody in the theater has some epiphany and screams out that ain't a rat that's a possum and like <laughs> suddenly, suddenly it's like the whole sense of, of uh, the suspension of disbelief goes out the window and I let people start people I want my money back <laughs> uh, okay guys that's that's a wrap I'd love to hear from anyone please um, you can hit us up on the Facebook at is now Thanks to Seth's efforts, is now actually the Phantom Galaxy 
podcast <laughs> on Facebook. We're no longer Pop Culture Ninja. Um, thanks, Facebook. Uh, and um, that was like a war to get that thing changed. And um, uh, we can, you can also um, hit us up on Twitter at Phantom Galaxy. We want to hear from you, hear your thoughts on hot mess movies, and maybe we can compile a list. Uh, and, yeah, I, th- I feel like a VHS-like marathon we have to have the bad tracking and the you know oh yeah <laughs> like static lines on there and all that good stuff but anyway everyone have a great evening and uh thanks for joining us take care thanks everybody